Hey there, friends. I am Ryan Henry, and welcome to 180, where we get to share absolutely amazing stories of Christian transformation from around the world. I'm talking every stage, every age, every region, from a homecoming queen to a witch doctor. I mean, these stories are just so, so exciting. And you can find us at 180podcast.com. That's O-N-E 80podcast.com. And please, would you just press that share your story button and maybe you'll even be able to be a guest on the show. If you want me to graduate, I will gladly. If you want me to pursue the task that you have entrusted to me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace, I'll do that gladly too. Thanks for coming back to 180 to hear Ahmed Jokden, part two. I've never been more encouraged than hearing this testimony. Today, we'll share the rest of Ahmed's story, how he finally finds Jesus, goes back to his people in Saudi Arabia, and tells them suffers greatly, including a two-month coma, but gains so much by living for Christ. Today on 180. And I remember Ryan shut the New Testament and he looked to me in the eyes and he said, now you know who is the word of God. Mm. And you know that there is no other way to the Father except through him. You know that Jesus, Isa, is the truth, mm. the way and, and, and the life. And when you came to New Zealand, you couldn't pay with your Saudi reals. You had to pay with New Zealand dollars. And when you stand before a just God, you have to pay for whatever sins that you have committed in a currency that is accepted before the sight of God. And let me tell you what those standards are. Complete, perfect, and holy. And Jesus is the one who is able to do that. Hmm. Would you like to repent from your sins and accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Hmm. Of course, at that moment, I knew who Jesus was and I, I could see who Jesus is through the lenses of the scripture. Hmm. So I said yes, and we prayed together at that time. Hmm. Not knowing what will happen, what will happen after. Yeah. Yeah, wow, wow. So at that moment, did you feel any different? I mean, what was that like for you? I think it was slow um, opening of that curtain, basically, mm -hmm. to see the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. Mm. So I guess the, the scripture was slowly pressing that curtain in my eyes to see who Christ really is, mm. the one who takes the sins of the, of the world. Praise. So, yeah, so... And, you know, after that, there was also growth in my understanding of who Christ is. That's so amazing. And here, here's this guy, and at this church, how encouraging for us as believers, this church was praying and fasting for somebody from Saudi Arabia to get saved in their church. And this was two weeks beforehand? That's correct. So, just to show you the importance and the power of prayer and fasting. Praise God. And they casted their trust on a, on a living God that can do it. Wow. He's able. And he proved it to them. Someone like me who is from far away, total different understanding of who Christ is and have different agendas, set of agendas, you know, Christ can come and pierce and save those impossible to save. And I want to challenge the listener here. If you know someone who you think is beyond the reach of Christ, I challenge you 
to pray and fast and see how this living God wow. can snatch them from the jaws of wow. death and bring them into a to the eternal life. Yes. Wow. God help us. That's so so good. So, why did you go back home? Did you go back after this point? So, yeah, I stayed with Brian a few days, and he tried as much to tell me about the holy book, the Bible, and teach me from there. However, the time was short, and my flight already set, right? They called the travel agency, right? (laughs) So there's a sad day that I would go. He took me to the airport, and knowing that there are no churches in Saudi Arabia, and not many people are willing there to share the gospel in Saudi Arabia, he gave me the New Testament, and he said, this will guide you. Mm. And it's written on it, the book of life. Mm. So you need to understand at that time, the Bible was not allowed in Saudi Arabia Mm. at all. And if they caught you with that, they could be severe punishment. But what I did is I hid it between my English textbooks. And when the customs officer opened my bag, he looked into the bag, he just closed it and let me in. And that was a big relief. Yeah. (laughs) Because if they just opened one of those, you know, English textbooks and So the Bible would be in a huge trouble. So yeah, so I passed in there and I went to my normal life with my family. And I was intrigued by a few things that I've never heard in my life. You know, if someone asks you to walk with them one mile, walk with them more, right? Hmm. Give them an extra mile. And I'm like, hmm, what is this? Yeah, what is this (laughs) Um, love? You know, yeah, there's so much difference than what I've been taught. Yeah. And Jesus, so he's speaking with authority and those verses. And I'm like, hmm, that's intriguing. Wow. <laughs> so I continued to study medicine at the same time, trying to read as much as I, I, I could from the Bible. And sometimes I was successful in hiding it away from the maid, the housemaid. Well, other times I was not. Hmm. And one of those times, the housemaid got to my room, looked into this green colored book with golden letters on it. It does not resemble the Quran. And it's like, oh, what is this? Oh, holy book. Injil, which is the New Testament in Arabic. So she took it, told my mom. That was a big no-no to my family. So what was the response of your parents? Yeah, I mean, remember, with a family with such tribal legacy. Yeah. And you carry a New Testament into the kingdom of Saudi Arabia. Uh-huh. That is a big no-no. So two big no-nos. And you're a son of a mufti. That is a pretty big no-no. <laughs> so it's like the biggest no-no ever. Yeah. So I remember just coming back from my school and my brothers, they started to beat the heck out of me. They dragged me, throw me to a tent outside the house. And I'm like, what's going, what did I do? Did I kill someone? I remember my last memory was, you know, finishing an exam. And I'm like, what did I do? Why so much punishment? <laughs> that I deserve. Mm. And nobody would tell me, including the meat, nobody would talk to me. And mm. I remember like, what have I done? But I'm like, oh, of course, it's the New Testament. They found it. So, you know, that was like, after a long uh, process of thinking, I'm like, ah, oh, this is a problem here. Yeah. So I was thinking, okay, I'm, I'm going to die. Basically, they will take me and behead me. And in Saudi Arabia at that time, the capital punishment, which if you convert to any other religion than Islam, it will be applied on you. They will take you to a square. It's called the Chop Chop Square in the town. Mm. And they would chop your head off oh my with a sword. So I'm like, okay, well, I think I'm, I'm going to die there. And after a week, my father came from a different city. And I remember the door open. In one hand was the New Testament. He threw it to the ground. And he, he basically told me that I have to burn this evil book that I brought with me from overseas Else, he will empty the 30 bullets into my head, and he put AK-47 to my head. 
because I brought a great shame upon him. Mm. So imagine me knowing a few verses of the New Testament and AK-47 to your head, and I'm like, I'll do whatever you want. <laughs> yeah. So I took the New Testament knowing that, because Brian told me that, you know, those words are not in the book. It's in, it must be in your heart. So I'm like, well, it's recorded in my heart, so I burned it. Yeah. Um, and then my father left, and I remember him after another week. He came back with others from my tribe, and he was chanting verses from the Quran about the story of Noah. So the story of Noah in the Quran, it's a little bit different than in the Bible. Yeah. And in there, so when the flood came, right, to, yeah. to go in the ark. Yeah. So one of his sons, he said, I'm going to go to the mountain. It's bigger than your ark. And the mountain will shelter me from the water. And Noah cried to his son. It's like, son, there is nothing can shelter you today. So the the waves separated between the two and his son died. So Noah looked at the sky and it's like, God, you have promised me. This is the Quran. And he is my son. You have promised me. So God told Noah, that is not your son. This is not your family. And this is a bad deed. So basically, my father was telling me that I'm a bad deed. And I was disowned from that time on. Oh, so, so hard. Wow. So, I mean, a lot, lots of our stories end up kind of end here at 180 where you have a new faith and you're experiencing some persecution or, but you have a changed you, but your story, it just has so much more to tell. I mean, so you get, you get caught with the Bible, you have an AK 47 pointed at your head, you're being disowned. Now you ended up being homeless. Is that? That's correct. And I think that was my uh, rock bottom point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you know, were you, yeah. did you go back to school? So so something happened in between, but in Saudi Arabia, you need to understand that if you go to school, the government will give you monthly stipends, and also school is free, so you didn't need to pay for anything. Plus, dorms are free there, mm-hmm. so you can go to dorms and stay there for free. Wow. So I was there for homeless for a few days, but I'm like, aha, uh-huh, hey, I can go to my college and I can stay there for free, Yeah. which I did. Yeah. And I couldn't stay in the same city as where my family are so i uh, i went to a satellite campus far away from them because that was hurtful to me i i miss those sweet words that tasted sweeter than honey to me yeah. The Bible. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's what I was reading. And I'm like, it was giving me so much liberation. And I was reading that if the Son of Man set you free, you are free indeed. And I'm like, I miss those words. I want to read more. What, what happened next? What happened there? Yeah. So I tried to access it, of course, in Saudi Arabia. Those websites were blocked. So if you go to BibleGate.com or, you know, BibleHub or Bible.com, it's all blocked. You'll see a green screen saying this site is blocked in Saudi Arabia. So I'm like, how can I read the scripture? I scoured the internet. I found a bunch of solutions that didn't work. And one of them did work. So I did. And I, I, I kept reading. And, you know, struck me that Jesus one time said, freely received, freely give. Mm-hmm. And I do believe that the gift that I receive of eternal life through Christ Jesus, it's a free gift of God that have been received. And I should give. <laughs> yeah. So give it back freely. So I started to do it online. And I remember one time, you know, I found someone who was interested and I was hesitant to go and meet this person in person hmm. to pray. 
But I went and I prayed. And when I uh, met him, he was welcoming me. But when I said, can I pray for you? And when I mentioned in Jesus' name, he he wasn't as welcoming. Mm. He started to shout at me. Mm. And he called the religious police. And those police people, they're brutal. Mm. So I left the cafe where I was witnessing to the person and I went to my dorm and I remember the doors blown out and storm of those religious police went in and start to beat the heck out of me. Not a single question. There's no, you know, Miranda rights in Saudi Arabia. They're mm. not going to read any rights for you. So they went in and just like start beating me every single where mm. to the point that I lost 13 teeth. Till this day, I still have scars on my body from such torment and beating and uh, those scars never heal so it's all been from time to time oh my goodness wow so can you take us to that that time that you were put into jail yeah and when they finished beating me it felt like uh thunder light struck me because if you have experienced tooth pain you understand how painful is that and if you you lose a bunch of those at the same time, it's like a thunder struck you. So uh, they dragged me half conscious to the cell and they started to ask me who converted. They used, you know, few nasty words. It was brutal. And from there, they took me to a solitary confinement cell. Mm. It's a pitch black cell. You cannot see your fingers. You don't know what day or time it is. And the days and nights blended together for me. And I was just, you know, there. Lord, if you want to take me home, take me now, because I'm mm. ready. But I know that you are with me. Mm. And, you know, just those verses that I memorize about blessed are you when, you know, you are persecuted. Yeah. Because of my name, for yeah. there is the kingdom of heaven. Uh, blessed are you. So, you know, those verses came back to me and just comforts, comforted me while I was in that in that dark place. And um, I knew that although it was a pitch black cell, the Lord is my light. They would take me to interrogation. They would lash my back and pour salt and lemon juice oh on my, my wounds and then to intensify the pain, to let me tell who converted me. and how I, I, I was telling them the truth. They couldn't believe it. But after three months from being there, I was presented to an Islamic judge who looked at me, looked at my age, and he said that you have been deceived. You're young, you have been deceived. So instead of sending you to the Chop Chop Square, we will send you to a a rehabilitation center. It's an intellectual rehabilitation center. Mm. It's like brainwashing center. Yeah. So they sent me there, and in there it was away from the religious police, from those brutal people, to yeah. this re-education center. And in there, they just tell you like the basics of Islam. It's meant to the extremists, right? Yeah. So they asked me like, who is the prophet of Islam? Muhammad. How many, you know, chapters of the Quran? 114. You know, <laughs> simple right. questions like, you know, A, B, C, D to me. Yeah. They were happy that I would answer those, you know, questions because none of the other extremists that were there yeah. <laughs> would answer any question of theirs. So after a few months, they like, we don't know why you're here, but you're a good person. Just we'll let you go. They release me. Wow. <laughs> Easy. You were just literally answering their questions. Yeah. Wow. At that time, I went out and I was in the last year in college of medicine, about to graduate as a medical doctor. And the Lord, you know, was with me and he took me through those times and he showed me who he is. How, you know, I went there and I met a person who 
put Jeremiah 29.11 on her wall behind her. And Jeremiah 29.11 says, For the plans I have for you, plans not to harm you, but plans to give you future and hope. Mm-hmm. And I remember that picture on the wall didn't have reference. Because, hey, you're in Saudi Arabia, right? Mm-hmm. So you don't want to be in trouble. So if you pass by her office, you think, oh, this is a very nice, you know, words from a wise person. Mm-hmm. But if you are a believer who read the scripture, you know this is from Jeremiah 29, 11. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. So I, I remember I mentioned that there, and she was freaking out. But that led me to have a position in the hospital, and I worked as a medical doctor there. So I, I looked for community of faith around me, and... Mm-hmm. Whenever I go to like apartments and places where believers gather, they would slam the door shut first because did not have front teeth, <laughs> so I looked scary. Yeah. Second is because I was from Saudi Arabia, so they're like, "What is going on here?" This local that we never heard that someone can actually follow Jesus from those people. So right. I, I looked elsewhere, and in my quest to find a community of believers, I, I ended up first with the the church of Jesus Christ. And I'm like, oh, because that was the first email that I received from a church that would say, come and worship. Hmm. And it was in a, in a different country, like next door country. So I, I went there. Yeah. So it's, yeah, the church of Jesus Christ and with a small prince, the Latter-day Saints. Yeah. <laughs> or LDS. They don't, they don't mention that. They just mentioned LDS. And yeah. I went there and I saw this huge, gigantic sign, the church of Jesus Christ. And I'm like, yes, my people. <laughs> After all that rejection, right? Uh-huh. So I'm like, but then there was this LDS and I'm like, hmm, what, what is the abbreviation for something? But I disregard that and I went inside and I, I was met by a young person and he had like a name tag, golden name tag with elder. Eric and I'm like Elder, you're younger than me. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, you know, he he said, you know, tell me about your story. So I told him, and he was offended when I mentioned a few things about, you know, Jesus and. But I, I noticed that it's like, you know, when you take two magnets and you bring them together, it's like they're going part away, like right. So it's like me and being with them. It's like I, I did. It's like there was no match. It's like. It's like being rebelled from them. Hmm. And I believe that the Spirit of God is trying to take me away. Right. So I, I went that night to, to, to the house, and I remember I searched LDS and Latter-day Saints, and I, I went through the Book of Mormons, and I went through the Covenants and other stuff, and I'm like, hmm, this sounds like the Quran. Because <laughs> wow. the Quran is like someone is retelling things that, you know, the remember Muhammad was illiterate, he couldn't read or write, but he can listen. So he was listening to Warqab and Nawfal telling him the story. And if you read the Quran, the same story is mentioned in the Quran multiple times in smaller details or longer details. So it's the same way with the Book of Mormons. It's like someone who I've heard and is retelling it again. So I, I immediately realized that this is not, and then I read you know, their statement of faith, which does not align with, that, with what I believe. Yeah. So I kept looking and uh, finally another church opened up and it was 13 hours each way every weekend to go there. Oh to my that church. gosh. Wow. I did that for a year. You, how many hours was it? 13 hours each way every weekend. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm just blown away. And it away. was in a different country. So if you live in the north of the United States, it's like you are going to Canada to go to church. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. How did you, I mean, was that by car? Yeah, it was by car. Okay. Okay. That's just amazing. So there's so, it's just so much. I mean, you, you guys really need to grab this book. What, what happened in Dubai? 
So in Dubai, I've been there for a while and going to the church, I found this great fellowship with believers and my faith in Christ Jesus is deep and as motto for believers is to know Christ, mm-hmm. to make him known and help others do the same. So you know, I was involved in a Bible study there. I'm like, 13 hours, no problem. I will go there to know my Lord and Savior. I have no problem with that driving. So, after a while, there was a class to be a member in that church. I'm like, of course, I want to be a member of the Church of Jesus Christ, right? No. So, I, I went there and I was not welcome. The reason why is because I was a citizen of the Gulf. Okay. <laughs> so, when I when I went to membership, it's like, What? This guy who's treating me badly, it's not me, but it's like those people, right? Right? They want to be a member of the same church? No. Okay. <laughs> no way. And I, I later on through the years, I, I learned that one of the members of that church, he actually went and tipped the police about me in Dubai. Oh my so God. you talk about when the sheep bite, but we know that blessings does not come from people, but come from Christ Jesus. And, you know, difficulties, yes, I mentioned about the difficulties that I've been through, but I'm thankful to mm. each and every difficulties and persecution that I've been through. The reason why is because when I'm weak, then I know that Christ Jesus is with me and then I'm mm. strong. I know that those words that I read in the Bible are not words Praise recorded 2,000 years ago, but it's alive today in my life. Mm. This is not a God that is far away from me that I read about and that's it. No, it's mm. a God that living with me today. Wow. So I'm so thankful and yeah, um, yeah. I take delight in, in such hardships. So I, I remember that I went to the church and 13 hours I arrived there, like I dr- drive through the night and in the morning when I arrived there, I went to the service and after the, the church, I went to my car and I was about to drive and all of a sudden it's like I'm in a movie. All of a sudden I'm on, on the ground. I'm like, what happened here? <laughs> wow. I was thinking that I'm driving and you know, I've been cuffed and all the police came. They took me to the police station handcuffed and so in there they asked me why you come to dubai every week i'm like guys you know that i'm going to the church yeah <laughs> i'm not gonna play games with you here so they asked me who do you meet with and i'm like you know exactly who i meet you have cameras everywhere so i think th- they let me uh there for a night and the next day the head of the station looked at me and it's like look we don't want to problems with you if hmm. you can just sign this paper that says that you will no longer attend the church will release you. And I'm like, hmm. is that it? It's like, yeah, that's it. I'm like, give me the paper. <laughs> so I took it, I signed it because the place that we gather there, it's actually in a hotel, not in a church. Okay. <laughs> so I'm like, uh-huh. well, it's going to the hotel. I'm not going to church. So yeah. And the Bible is telling me that do not forsake the assembly of the believers. So I'm going. Yeah. And so they released me and other believers, they couldn't come and visit me in the jail, but they'd be watching outside. <laughs> and they saw when I left how the secret police were follow, following me for miles, just to make sure that I would not contact anyone. Yeah. So one of the elders of that church called me and it's like, so you're not coming at all? And I'm like, watch me, next week I'm coming. But I was not being wise, so my conversation heard. And if you know other people from different nationalities and the government doesn't want to fuss around that, they will just make it like an accident. So what they did is they blasted a tanker on my way, and that tanker held acid in it. So they wanted me to melt to pieces, but the Lord had different plans for me. What they intended for me to die in, the Lord came and snatched me from the jaws of death. So they, like, in route somewhere, had a tanker 
that exploded. I cannot tell you exactly what happened, but I was driving and then all of a sudden I was on my on the ICU in the hospital. <laughs> but if you look at the pictures of the car, you understand the car somehow flew over the tanker and landed in the desert far from there. And people who came by saw something shining because the car is metal. So they looked at the car and came to rescue me. But wow. you know, they wanted me to melt, basically. Mm. But the Lord rescued me. I mean, that's, I have no words for that. But just amazing that God totally had his hand on you. Wow. Hey friends, stay for the send-off where you'll hear Blind Tony's rendition of 40 from U2 along with Psalm 40. So you're in a coma, right? You woke up. Can you talk to us about the hospital? So you wake up in the ICU. So I'm a doctor and when I opened my eyes, I saw all the tubes all around me. What happened here? So I called that attendant doctor. I'm like, I'm a medical doctor too. What happened to me? Because my last memory was I'm going to church to worship Jesus. Oh my and gosh. so he's like, oh, we are so sorry to tell you this, but you have been in a car crash and this happened to you and that, and you've been in coma for two months. Yes, I've been on, on the ICU bed for two months. So I couldn't comprehend what happened to me. <laughs> I've been into rehab and then they released me. So I went back to my hospital. And uh, before that, I went by the police station where they held my car. And I went there and I, I went directly to my car and it was crumbles. Like you cannot recognize what is this car. It was a big SUV car. So while I was looking around my car and seeing how the Lord literally protected only yeah. my side was not you know, damage. If you look at the picture of the car, you will see that it's intended to crush and melt whoever is in the front passenger seat. But the Lord protected my seat. And I was looking around the car and the police person, he shouted at me, hey, what are you doing there? He was thinking that I'm a thief or something, trying to steal the parts of the car. And I'm like, yeah. this is my car? He's like, oh, yeah. you're alive? <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm standing here. And I, I took a picture of it and then I went to my hospital and I was in a lab coat with bandages all around my face. So I looked like a mummy. I went there and my supervisor was looking at me. He's like, oh, what happened to you? And I'm like, car crash? It's like, what kind of car crash, you know, will make you look like this, you know, um, bandaged everywhere. So I showed him the picture and he looked at me, he looked at the car, he looked at me again, and he told me, you have been born again. Hmm. I'm like, say that one more time. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) How Uh would a Muslim person say things that is off scripture? So I told him only a living God could snatch a person like me from the jaws of death. And I told him about who I believe in and yeah. that, that this God is a living God that Praise is God. still alive and doing miracles today. Come on. So I, I told him about, you know, Jesus and he was not finding that amusing. So he actually yeah. called the, the management in the hospital and kicked me out. And that sparked a long investigation into why would I say such things in the hospital and ended up by barring me from medicine in Saudi Arabia? Oh my gosh. Wow. Talk about persecution. Yeah. How did you handle that? Well, you know, I love medicine. Let me just say that. But I love Jesus even more. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> and when I've been handed that paper being disbarred from medicine, I took it and I went to a frame uh, workshop to frame it. And then I hang yeah. it on the wall as graduation with honor. This is my honor that I would lose yeah. whatever. I- wow. But I continued. Wow. So this is not my job. Yes, this is my income kind of job to yeah. treat people. 
my job is to treat souls. And so I continue to share the gospel there as much as I can, as uh, little wisdom that I had. I continue to share and to tell people around me, which led to threats of bullets and actual bullets showering through my cheap new car. And I ended up leaving from Saudi Arabia to a UAE, where I met with a pastor there. So that would, for me, was so much valuable and important than yeah. bullets threatened me. And I went to different t- parts of the town and I tried to be wise as much as I can. And I did not want to leave Saudi Arabia. And go anywhere because I saw that it's important to stay where you are and shine as a light, especially if there's Praise nobody God. there is sharing the truth. So I've been chased and I've been shot at. That was the first incident. And then there was a second incident where I was on my way to the United Arab Emirates. So I was driving and all of a sudden I heard the glass shatter to my face and a bullet whizzing by me. And, you know, a car was chasing me. So my car was cheap car, so not that much grip and handle. <laughs> so all of a sudden I lost the steering wheel and my car swirled to the sand dune. And I opened the door and I started to run into the desert and until I couldn't run anymore. And I fell to my face and I'm like, this is, I'm coming to you. And I was waiting for a bullet to come to my head, right? So I was waiting for my graduation. But I waited, 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 nothing happened. So I went back to the car and I don't see any car coming. So I went there and my car was stuck in the sand dune. So I took one of the car mats and I put it under the tire just to take the car out of the sand. If you're a sand person, you know that trick. So I started to drive. I'm like, well, Lord, maybe this is not my time to graduate. Okay. I'm like, Lord, how can I go through the border without the customs looking at my car, my riddled car with bullets and stopping me. (laughs) Yeah, right. But God, if that is your plan, I'm sure that you'll have a way. So I I continued to pray. And it's like, Lord, you're with me. Lord, make a way. And I felt so thirsty. So I stopped by a uh, gas station that's near to the border. And I remember I went to the section of food and I saw a duct tape that is the same color of my car placed in the middle of the food aisle. It's like I just missed the angel that put it that for me. I'm like, duct tape? What would I do with a duct tape? <laughs> it's like, hello, we put that for you. Take it. <laughs> so I, oh I, I took the duct tape and I went to my car. I'm like, oh, I can duct tape the bullet holes. And because the duct tape matched the color of my car, nobody will notice. And, you know, I just cleared the window, that shattered window, and rolled down the only one that is a good window. And uh, make it look like I was enjoying the weather, although it was really hot. It's like 120 Fahrenheit. Anyhow. (laughs) (laughs) Nice, nice drive. (laughs) So I drove there and I was just praying, Lord, make a way. You are the way. Make a way for me, Hmm. if that is your will. May Hmm. your name be glorified. So I I went through the security and they did not even look at me. They scanned my ID card and let me in. And the UAE side... the same. They did not notice the car house pieced together with duct tape. So I went through <laughs> and I went to a pastor friend in in Dubai, and he looked at me. He's like, "Oh, there's something hanging behind the car, beneath the car." I'm like, "Yeah, I know. Let me just get inside and tell you what happened to me." So I talked to him and I showed him the bullet holes. Like, this is not a doing of a people. This is doing of governments. You have to leave the country right now. And he took me to the airport. So he was right. I went there and quickly get to an airplane going to New Zealand. And the security of the airport came in looking for me, but was too late because my flight departed. And they came and arrested him and arrested other people that... Talked to you. Had talked to me in the past. And some of them stayed in, in, in jail for three days, interrogated. So yeah, and 
Wow. So you went to New Zealand. Were you safe when you got there? That's what I thought. So I, I landed in New Zealand and I'm like, oh, finally, I'm safe. And I went to a, a small town in the middle of the North Island of New Zealand. And so two believers that I know. And I sat with them. And I'm like, finally, I'm safe. So um, shortly, a few days after, the intelligence of New Zealand is knocking on the door. This is a small town of 20 people. Yeah. <laughs> so they're knocking on the door. I'm like, who are you? It's like, we're the intelligence of New Zealand. So I'm like, what do you want? It's like, I want to talk to you. I'm like, why you want to talk to me? Like, what, what did they do wrong here in this country? But this time, the other Kiwi, the New Zealanders, they were with me. So they sat with me at the table. And the first question the officers asked me is, now what's your name? It's like, are you a Christian? I'm like, why would a secular government be interested in my faith? That's so weird. Unless yeah. they've been pushed by a different government <laughs> to ask those questions. Yeah. So, especially that I know that other Saudi believers in New Zealand who believed in Jesus, they've been kidnapped and sent back to their demise. So I'm like, I'm not going to answer any more questions. And the New Zealanders with me not only vouch for me, but shame the officers for coming here and asking me questions that is not legal and against the law of New Zealand. So yeah. through the through the vine, wow. we you know reached to a Christian police commissioner. It's like a superintendent, and we told him the story, and he said, "Let me look at the file just to see what's against you in our file." I'm like, "Okay." I was thinking, "Oh, it's gonna take a month, maybe two, But to my surprise, it was the very next day. He called wow. me, and the first word that he said is, "Leave the country." I'm like, excuse me? <laughs> it's like, we can now protect you here. You have to leave. And I'm like, why? What? Can you tell me what's... It's like, no, I cannot discuss with you. Things are in the file. But I can tell you, you have to leave now. Do you have any any visa to any other country? And I'm like, I do have a visa to the US. Because I've been here mm. before to, to the US before to speak at different churches. It's like, leave the country to the US. So surely it took my stuff and my suitcase, my only suitcase, and went to the airport. And in there, I was interrogated. And I was thinking I will be sent back to Saudi Arabia. But the Lord has different plan. And I landed Amen. in the US. So I was thinking oh, things will be easier, but it wasn't. <laughs> so okay. I, I applied for asylum just like anybody else. Supplemented my claim with so many evidence, intelligence reports from New Zealand and Australia, other affidavits. And my lawyer was saying, oh, this is slam dunk case. You'll, you'll get asylum in no time. Wrong. <laughs> so I remember that I went, I went to the office with him to my interview. And from the get-go, I was being treated not by the procedure, and my lawyer was looking to me. They're not supposed to do that. And I'm like, you're my lawyer. You should do something. <laughs> so I went there and my, the officer was antagonizing toward me. He was not nice to me at all. And I think made probably personal prejudice against Christians, probably from that mm -hmm. officer. But at the end, I knew that I will be rejected. But I'm like, Lord, I know through your promises in the Psalms that you have not rescued me to hand me over to my enemies, but you will sit me in a safe place. Wow. So I prayed. Come on. And I asked my friends across the globe to pray. So we got that decision from the United States government is no, and we will send you back to whatever you come from, Saudi Arabia, <laughs> to people okay. who will wow. chop your head. And I got that and I'm like, okay, Lord, this is in your hand. If you want me to graduate, I will gladly. If you want me to pursue the task that you have entrusted to me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace, I'll do that gladly mm -hmm. too. Yeah. 
So we prayed and a few believers, they contact senators and congressmen and women who were not believers in Jesus. Let me just make that clear. But mm -hmm. because of so much evidence and the egregious error that happened to my case, they weigh in in no time. And I've been told wow. it will take time for them to respond within weeks things change and being called wow. by them just to get the facts of the case. And there's like, no way this is happening here under a watch. So they weigh in and the very next week I was called by the, the office, the asylum office. And I went there thinking, what's going on here? But I trusted in mighty God. And, and we went in and things changed in the office. Also, I was received this time so different. I was received mm -hmm. with welcome this time. And my pastor who was with me testified. And I remember at the end, we, we were like, hey, we did not pray before. Let's pray. So we gather hands in the, in the waiting room and we prayed in the name of Jesus. Yeah. And I remember that one of the workers there, the asylum office worker, came to my pastor and she's like, this is beautiful prayer. I just want to say my amen to that. <laughs> so oh. praise the Lord for that. So we left and the very next day I was um, granted asylum. In the United States. Praise. However, God. I wanna I wanna mention something. So the Sunday before when my asylum was rejected, I remember the pastor mentioning that in the church. And some of the people in the church, they couldn't believe whatever I said about my story. And then when the rejection came, it's like, Oh look, we told you his his testimony is not true and that's why it's been rejected by the United States government. And I can, I can hear that. Those are my mm -hmm. brothers and sisters in Christ. And mm -hmm. they were not kind. So I just prayed, Lord, you know that I told the truth. Lord, vindicate me, Jesus. And of course, if you pray, God hears, and He responds back. Yeah. This is the response. Yeah. So I was, I was granted that the United States government changed its decision from rejection and deportation to accept full acceptance, unconditioned. So <laughs> I was sitting in the same bench in the church, and the people and the pastor mentioned that the asylum case was granted and, and unconditionally. And uh, I can hear the same people behind me who've been whispering the week before that his story is not true to whispering, "This is the Lord's doing. Only God can do that." So I, I do believe God. God did this as a miracle to the people in the church, like He does today. So wow, so He's alive. Amen. So my pastor insisted on writing my testimony. I did not have any desire to write it down, but he said we should write it down to give praise to what the Lord has done until the earth that Jesus yeah. is alive today. So I'm like, okay, let's write it down. And I know that from the scripture in Revelation 12, verse 11, and they conquered him by the blood of the lamb and the, mm, word, and the word of their testimony. Praise God. <laughs> it's so good. So Ahmed, you're doing so much work for the kingdom of God through the organization that you founded, Mecca to Christ. Can you tell us a little bit about what you're doing right now? Yeah, I, I want to serve Jesus. And there's a verse in the Bible that strikes me the most, and it's in Luke 7, verse 47. Jesus says, I tell you, her sins, and there are many, have been forgiven. So mm. she has shown me much love, but a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. Jesus mm. died on the cross for me, for my sins. So I don't know and mm. be jihad. I don't, you know, I don't need to go and be jihad and spill somebody else's blood. He came on mm. the cross and did that for me. I know how mm. much that costs. And I just love Jesus. And I, I declare this anywhere I go. So I want to make this you know, clear that I <laughs> love Jesus. So me and my pastor and others, we created Mecca to Christ International. And Mecca to Christ is, if you look, two billion Muslims, when they pray, worship, they worship yeah. toward Mecca. And we yeah. are at Mecca to Christ 
redirecting them to Jesus, basically. So instead of mm. their direction to Mecca, we want to direct them to the living God. So in Mecca to Christ, we begin by sending people to places where the gospel have never been heard before, and also helping them as much as we can to go to those countries, especially the Islamic countries. Right. But also we do much more. We explain to others how to communicate the gospel of Jesus Christ in a way that people, Muslims can understand what you're trying to deliver. You're not there to deceive them. You're not there, there to lead them astray, but you're there to show them the love of Jesus Christ and to do it in a way that's tailored to them. Also, we help and support Muslim background believers. Discipleship to them. Discipleship is really important to be firm in their faith. Supporting them like all the realities from the books, it's not coming to me. I wrote, yeah. oh, those books is for Jesus, not to me. So those money would take it and support the ministries of the Muslim background believers with us. We do much more. There are projects coming. There's a, We have an academy called Muslim Background Believers Academy, and we're in transition to make that into a seminary. That is a discipleship based seminary. So the seminaries that we have today is a professor students model, which is knowledge based, while what we're trying to create is to have discipleship there. We're not taking people from let's say Libya and other places to come to the US or other Western countries to learn. No, no. we're gonna teach them where they are, just like how Jesus did. Jesus went to his disciples where they are. And it's like he went to them, it's like follow me. We as a believers in Jesus, we're gonna do the same. We're gonna go to where they are, equip them, disciple them that way. And so that is coming to light. We have also others like other projects like the the Quran Bible Concordance. So basically Many verses in the Quran came with a verbatim, or the idea of it, from the Bible, the truth of the Bible that we hold today. Many Muslims didn't know that. So basically what we did is we come through the Bible, and so we want a person who is a believer in Jesus to take that Bible to a Muslim and open it on the side, so the verses of the Bible will be clear, because we know that the Word of God is so strong that it's sharper than a double-edged sword. So wow. we wanted them to read the scripture, but on the side, we linked it to where the Quran mentioned this verse. And many Muslims, they don't you know, understand that. They think that the Bible is corrupt. But if the Bible is corrupt, then the Quran is corrupt too, because it's based on the Bible. <laughs> so of so many verses. Ultimately, oh all what we're trying to do is to communicate the love, the truth about Jesus to Muslims. And yeah. we know that not all Muslims will come to Jesus the same way. In fact, there is not a single yeah. way for everybody to come to Jesus. And right, we need right. to be just as creative as Jesus was with the Jews. Amen. So amazing, Ahmed. <laughs> I'm so encouraged <laughs> just listening to you today. There's so much here. So, Ahmed, our last question have you ever thought about what would have happened differently if those strangers in New Zealand hadn't prayed for you? Probably I would end up being a jihadist, killing innocent people, hmm. and killing myself in the way, and be in eternal damnation forever. So I'm so thankful for those strangers who didn't know what my name was, but they just dare to pray and save my, my soul. And here I am. Hmm knowing about Jesus and the truth about the crucifixion, the truth about Christ yeah. that is saving my So yeah, I mean, I would be in a very dark place in the moment, you know, probably mm. in hell. And that is the, it's it just so sinister. It's, it's, it's so dark. I mean, yeah. So, so I'm so thankful 
for my Lord and Savior yeah, Jesus yeah. to answer their prayers. I'm so thankful that yeah. they dared. They, they did not say, oh, no, that's impossible. You know, Saudi Arabia, land of Islam, you know, God cannot do it. No, they dared. To, although, you know, probably some of them, they thought that it's a crazy wild idea. But yeah. they dare to pray, knowing that this is the God of the impossible. And I'm so thankful. Mm, yeah. I'm going to ask one more question. If you could talk to the Ahmed, who is still young Ahmed, ambitious, wanting to become a jihadist, and you could, you could tell him one thing, what would you tell him? I would say I have an invitation for you that's being given to me almost 11 years ago. And this invitation, if you open it, please do so and basically come to Jesus. I'm extending that. Jesus said to me, come to me. And I'm saying, come to Jesus. Amen. Come, come and you will not lose anything. You will actually see beyond the limitation that you're seeing now. You will feel liberated from the burden that you carry. And if you can hear me today and you're not believing in Jesus Christ, if you're not walking with Jesus, please come. And follow after him, and he will show you things that you have never seen in your life. Wow. Amen. So, so good. Thank you so much for being on our show, Amen. Sure. Thank you for having me. And also, thank you for the listeners. Hey, friends, did you notice the direct connection in Ahmed's story between people, strangers, praying during Ramadan, and God's just miraculous power in, in Ahmed's conversion? If you want to get in the game this Ramadan, join us at PrayerCast. They have a Ramadan prayer challenge where you can sign up to get daily powerful and moving video prayers for Muslims all over the world, standing in the gap for them as Muslims pray fervently and seek the Lord during this special time for them. You can find these videos at PrayerCast.com. You can find the link to the challenge in our show notes. Put a new song in my mouth for him of praise to our God. 
Many will see and fear, and they will trust in the Lord. How happy is anyone who has put his trust in the Lord and has not turned to the proud or to those who run after lies. My Lord, my God, you have done many things, your wondrous works and your plans for us. None can compare with you. If I were to report and speak of them, they are more than can be told. You do not delight in sacrifice and offering. You open my ears to listen. You do not ask for a whole burnt offering or a sin offering. Then I said, see, I have come in the scroll it is written about me. I delight to do your will, my God. And your instruction is deep within me. I proclaim righteousness in the great assembly. See, I do not keep my mouth closed, as you know, Lord. I did not hide your righteousness in my heart. I spoke about your faithfulness and salvation. I did not conceal your constant love and truth from the great assembly. Lord, do not withhold your compassion from me. Your constant love and truth will always guard me. For troubles without number have surrounded me. My iniquities have overtaken me. I am unable to see. They are more than the hairs of my head. And my courage leaves me. Lord, be pleased to rescue me. Hurry to help me, Lord. Let those who intend to take my life be disgraced and confounded. Let those who wish me harm be turned back and humiliated. Let those who say to me, aha, aha, be appalled because of their shame. Let all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. Let those who love your salvation continually say, the Lord is great. I am oppressed and needy. May the Lord think of me. You are my helper and my deliverer. My God, do not delay. This is Blind Tony, and I just sang an excerpt from a song called 40 by YouTube. And actually, that song is based on Psalm 40, which I recited to you earlier. A song of David that he wrote when he cried out to the Lord because he was surrounded by his enemies and the haters were pressing in on him. and It didn't look like he could make it, but once again, God showed up and delivered. Because God is like that. He's good all the time. But that's David's story. And I'm wondering once again, what's yours? Feel free to contact us at 180podcast.com and tell us your story. And till the next time, God bless you. 180 is a production of One Way Ministries.